0: Howdy, howdy, howdy. Hello and welcome to the second hour of At Your Service here on Camo X on this Thursday night. Dave Simons, typically the host of the Dollars and Cents Investment Related Show, occasionally on Sunday afternoons, is filling in tonight and happy to be here. So let me paint a little picture for you. Let's say you have a good buddy that you've known for years since your high school or college days. And you talk somewhat frequently. You just haven't seen each other because you live in different states. And he sends you an email and says, hey, um, let's do a Zoom chat. Let's just uh, visit with each other. I want to see how things are going in your life. And I can tell you what's going on in mine. You go, oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Let's Send me a Zoom link. Let's talk this weekend. So you, you do. And you click on the Zoom link, and there's your buddy Bob. Like, hey, Bob, what's going on? Hey, Great to see you, Dave. And you start kind of getting caught up in family and how things are going. And then Bob then proceeds to get a little bit more serious. And he tells you that he has started this business venture that he's really excited about, but it's costing a lot more money than he thought. And he has drained a lot of his finances. And he just needs a little bit more to get him over the top. You're already starting to get a little nervous, like, eh, he's going to give me the big ask here, but he's been a good friend for decades and he actually helped you out a number of years ago, early in your, your life when you were, when you hit rock bottom and you will never forget it and you owe him. So you hear him out and the ask is, you know, fill in the blank, a few thousand bucks. I mean, it's not a small amount, 10,000, whatever. Just enough to kind of eh, make it hurt a little bit. But you can't help him because you've got the money. And so you agree. And he's so thankful. And, man, this means everything because this really is going to buy me some time, your buddy Bob tells you. This is going to get me over the top. And I'm going to pay you back. In the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, I I hope so. I'm a little skeptical. But, yeah, I I owe you, man. I, I owe you. So you hang up. You wire the money because he gave you all the routing information. And you wait a little bit, and then you call your buddy Bob up and say, hey, Bob, I just want to make sure that um, you got the money. I wired it. And Bob says, I have no idea what you're talking about. What? The money. We just did the, the Zoom call. What are you, Dave, what are you talking about? I haven't done a Zoom call with you ever. All of a sudden, you feel like you're in some Alfred Hitchcock movie. You feel like you're having an out of body experience, like you're in a dream. What in the world is going on? Now, this isn't just some Alfred Hitchcock movie. What I just explained to you is actually happening. Not as much here in the U.S., this is a true story that is occurring in China in particular, so much that the government is now getting involved. And this is AI-driven, artificial intelligence-driven fraud is now making news in China. And what I just spelled out to you, that story, in a way, played out. This is a true story. It was uh, written about in the Wall Street Journal earlier this week. Um, This guy contacts a friend through WeChat, And that is basically, you know, China's version of um, what WeChat is kind of the messaging app that they use. I've actually used it when I've traveled to Africa. They don't really use the kind of uh, messaging services that we use here in the U.S., so I get WeChat. I still have the app on, on my phone. So WeChat is actually the most popular messaging service in the world, and this is what is used in China. So... There's a guy, uh, he's only listed by his last name of, I guess, Guo, G-U-O, Chinese name, obviously, Guo. And um, he said, (laughs) this is where it's really wild to me. (laughs) This guy, who he thought was his friend, they do a video chat on WeChat, and he was scammed. A guy got online somehow, some tech expert, I guess you would have to be, found a friend of his, what his friend looked like, used his likeness and his voice. So maybe it's something on a Facebook or a YouTube or something. Got his friend's voice, was able to filter that through so some, through some kind of AI technology. I have no idea how you would do this. And he actually developed the facial recognition and all the movements of the face to ask for money from this guy and the voice. And by the way, it wasn't just a couple thousand dollars. Are you ready for this? This is in U.S. dollars. Scammed him out of $600,000. Now, if I'm the editor of this story, one of the things that I'm going to tell the writer is, hey, somewhere in the story, you have to address that. It may have nothing to do with the story itself, but if I'm reading this, I'm going, "Whoa, whoa, wait a minute! There's something else going on here. Who has six hundred thousand dollars to lend to a friend? Are, are these are these billionaire friends or something? I mean, come come on! But nothing like that was listed. That's one of the things in my curiosity. But whatever, we'll, we'll we'll put that aside. So here's what happened: the guy transfers, does a wire transfer for 600K. This is just, this is mind blowing to me that this can even happen today. And he calls his friend and said, hey, I've just wired the money. Did you get it? And his friend said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then he knew he had been scammed. And so he called the authorities. Now, uh, typically you cannot wire that kind of money, even here in the U.S., it, it has to go in dribs and drabs. You might be able to wire 100,000 six different times. It depends on the financial institutions. This guy was lucky because that's the wall that he had to jump over. So he actually got to keep most of that 600. The article doesn't say how much was actually transferred out. He did lose some of it, but a small portion of the 600. So he was saved. But... Oh my gosh, this really sets the stage of the conversation that I've been wanting to have here tonight. And that is, it's here already. This wild, futuristic way to really cause havoc is in front of us when you can use somebody's likeness that you have found on the Internet somewhere. And you can manipulate it into a conversation where you're looking at it and you're saying, No, that's my friend. And you're using his voice that you're filtering through some kind of chat, GPT or some sort of AI technology. And it's so good that you don't even question it. Here's his quote, by the way, this Guo guy, quote, we had a video chat and I recognized the face and voice in the video. That's why I let my guard down. Now it's one thing when we hear, especially the elderly, when we feel sorry for them, when they've been scammed, it's like, why did you give out your social security number? You know, you're not supposed to do that. Some of these things are so obvious. You're like, oh, man, don't be so idiotic. Don't do that. But how about this? How do you guard against some kind of a Zoom call or, in this case, a WeChat call that is your friend with his video, his face, and his audio? I mean, we're we're already here. Recently, in early May, there uh, was a group of a bunch of AI specialists who all got together. These were industry chiefs, um, tech bigwigs, AI folks. And one of the people in that group was our St. Louis's very own Sam Altman. Again, I'll get to him in a second. But they are concerned about their own creation. It's the Frankenstein model, right? Uh Uh-oh, what have I created here? And they released a statement and it was only one sentence. It was a one line statement that basically talked about the risk of extent extinction. Are you kidding me? I had to reread this. Wait a minute. The very thing that you guys have unleashed, you're now saying, uh, yeah. Ooh, let's, let's uh, be careful here. Let's not go too far with the stuff that we've created And here's a quote, the risks from AI should be, quote, a global priority, along with other societal scale risks such as pandemics and, get this, nuclear war. So they are actually comparing the potential threat of AI, where this could go in the future, with nuclear war. So when I question myself and say, am I overthinking the threats of this? Is it just because I'm starting to get a little older and I don't understand this and just calm down? This is all good. And then I read this line from the very people who are creating this saying, yeah, we need to really understand this and tackle the risks. And, uh, you know, put this along other societal risks such as pandemics and nuclear war. And then I see stuff like this AI-driven fraud in China, and I think, okay, my fear perhaps is not unfounded. So, hey, how about that? Isn't that a lot of fun to start the second hour? Um, but there is some good stuff, too. I, I do want to tackle some of the good stuff with with AI. Um, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that, including the occupations who are most at risk of disappearing because of artificial intelligence and robots, and eight of the ten are all related to one profession. Teachers, listen up. I'm looking at you. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new voicemails.
1: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
0: It is 921 in St. Louis. Dave Simons here live in the downtown KMOX studios, filling in for at your service. Hello there. You know, I'm always amazed at these tech geniuses, how many of them never got a degree. Just to be that smart that you're so bored, you go and study something that I think is highly intellectual, like computer science or something related to that. And like, yeah, you know what? Um, I don't even have to try. I mean, this is kind of boring. I'm just going to just like leave start my own business, you should see the list of people from Steve Jobs to Bill Gates, Michael Dell, Mark Zuckerberg, all those guys left school. And we can add another name to the list, St. Louis and Sam Altman. Now, Sam was actually born in Chicago. I don't know how old he was when his family moved down here, but he ended up graduating from John Burroughs here in St. Louis back in 2005. And then he immediately went to Stanford and to study computer science And after one year, yeah, I don't think I need this. And right away, he starts building these companies. He co-founded a couple of companies when he was only 19. And he currently, fast forward to today, is the current CEO of OpenAI. If you've never heard of it, you can look that up. But that's really the genius, the company behind ChatGPT. Have you experimented with this yet? you should do it it's very easy to do it's amazing if you're not familiar with chat gpt and i'm i'm really being simplistic in my description here but basically it is a platform that um will will goes into the entire universe of the internet everything that's listed there i mean can you imagine how big that thing really is and it will find the information that you're looking for and basically write something for you. So you can you put you have the inputs. You're like, okay, I want to write a um, uh, a rec letter for someone, and this is who the person is, and this is what their skill set is, and this is why I like them. And you feed all this information in, and then it spits out this letter back to you, and you're like, whoa, that's like I'm a English major here. The first time I saw that, it was it had nothing to do with me. It was my son, who was actually writing some letters to med school, to get into a med school. And um, my son is very gifted in cer- certain things, but um, and I love him to death, but one of those gifts is uh, not writing. Hey, you can't be great at everything, right? His sister got that, for sure. But um, he said, Dad, I want you to, to read this. This is uh, a letter that I'm sending to a couple of the medical schools to apply, uh, to get into. And I said, okay, I read this. And right away in the first two sentences, I'm like, whoa, has my son been taking like uh, uh, some English writing classes on the side. It didn't even dawn on me at first. And the more I read, the more I read, the more I read. And I just thought this is so well-written. Did he get his sister to write this for him? And then the light bulb went off. This is chat GPT. I know it is. And so I asked him, and he, with a little bit of a smirk and a smile, he goes, yeah, isn't that pretty good? I'm like, oh, you know, on the one hand, I gave him credit for being able to to utilize this. And on the other hand, I'm like, oh, man, is this where society is going, that we can't nurture that skill of writing? We've already given up, for the younger generation, I mean really young, like kids, the ability to even just write a letter. I mean hand write it out using the old fashioned cursive writing. That is that that's just a dying art. It's a dinosaur. And I lament those days. I know I'm acting like an old fogey here and now it's all typing. But are we actually now even getting rid of the ability to get on a laptop or a computer and formulate our own ideas? Instead, we're going to feed some information and have some inputs into some computer brain? That's going to do this magnificent job of writing a letter for us. Is that where we're going? I guess it is. Maybe so. So I went back to my son and I said, okay, we need to change a few things because it is so obvious to me. I would think that these people at these schools now are getting chat GPT generated letters all the time. These things are so good and so perfect for the most part that I think, let's go back in and change a few things and make sure your own personality. So I helped him with that. But that was the first time I, I, I ever saw something like that. So back to Sam Altman for a second. One of the things that these genius-type minds have in common is their eccentricities. So as I was uh, looking into his background, because I'm just intrigued by these guys, I admit there's a little bit of jealousy there. I'm like, man, I wish I had a brain like that sometimes. I just don't think in those types of terms but here's something that really jumped out at me. Aldman is a prepper. Which is interesting because a lot of these guys and he may be very liberal in his politics. I I think he is based on some other things. But a lot of those the the real liberal types are not preppers who think the world is coming to an end. That's generally more on the on the right side of things. But this is uh, in in his Wikipedia page and it says that um And this, and he's quoted himself, so this isn't made up stuff. Altman in 2016 said, "quote I have guns, gold, potassium iodide, antibiotics, batteries, water, gas masks from the Israeli Defense Force. Wow, and a big patch of land in Big Sur I can fly to." End quote. And that got me thinking. Wait a minute. Here's a guy who I just quoted before the break as part of this group that came out with this one line statement saying, yeah, we really need to watch this whole thing about uh, AI because man, if we're not careful, this could be on the level of like a nuclear war. And now he's, now we find out he's a prepper and he's got guns and gold and batteries and water and, oh yeah, some gas masks from the Israelis. Like, um, I almost felt like going to my wife, honey. Um, We have any gas masks. (laughs) There's a guy who's created all this AI stuff. He's got them. I think he's a little bit more on the front line and knows where some of this is going. I'm being kind of facetious and having some fun with this, but sort of not, too. One of the things that I talked about at the end of the first hour, I want to dig into a little deeper because I, I do have to guard against this. Look, I have seen... On many occasions, there are many examples of this, people within my own family who, who have gotten older over the years, into their 70s, 80s, and beyond, where you do get a sense of the, the, their growing fears of life. It just happens. I think it's part of the aging process. But a lot of it's connected to technological innovation and revolution, where it's just, I, I don't understand that, I didn't grow up with it, and because I don't understand it, I fear it. I think that that's normal. And I've even told my own kids, hey, help me with that as I get older. If you sense that I'm fearing life more, that I'm becoming a little bit more of a hermit, or I just have the responses like, well, I don't know, I'm really worried about that. I worry about you kids. gently call me out on that, hold me accountable to that. I I just want to be real careful because so many of the things that I've seen older people get fearful of, I I say, well, there's no reason to fear that. And I'll even counsel some older clients about that. Look, Look, here's why this is not the issue you think it is. And I talk through with them. I have to be really careful. So when I look at the developments in AI, I don't want to be that guy just because I don't understand it. I don't have to necessarily fear it. But it's only when I see the other folks who are of the younger generation who have helped create this. And they're the ones who are coming out saying, we need to probably legislate some of this stuff because we're creating something that eventually we could lose control of. Not next year or five years from now, but I don't know, 20 years from now, maybe, maybe won't even last that long. Um, So there is some fear of losing your job, depending on the job that you currently hold. My dad was a college professor for more than 40 years. He has since retired, lives out of state, turns 85 this year. By the way, he's doing great, still doing really well, has all his faculties, Gets around just fine. Um, I'm very, very lucky that way. My mom's still around, too, in her early 80s. Very, very blessed that way. Um, but I think if he were a younger college professor and he saw the advent of AI and where it's going, he may be concerned that his job could be eliminated. So when we come back, that's the first thing I'm going to hit. There was a recent study that analyzed exposure to AI modeling. And there are 10 jobs that are most at risk of just disappearing in the next few years. We'll talk about that when we come back and more. You're listening to At Your Service. Dave Simons filling in. We'll be right back. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Innings. MLB At-Bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only 3 dollars per month.
1: Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game.
0: Subscribe to At-Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, my friends, it is 934 in St. Louis. At your service here on Camo X, Dave Simons filling in tonight. So in Barron's, the financial publication over the weekend, they had an article that said um, that, that uh, listed the top 10 industries that could be most affected in a negative way by the advent of A.I. language modeling. Number one, telemarketers. Now, I could see that because how many of us complain that we don't know what country we're actually been connected to and someone who has the accent we a lot of times and I've had to say this look can I talk to someone who is more English speaking I'm sorry I don't mean to be offensive I don't understand and I need this problem solved you could see really as this thing is uh, perfected that you could get someone that you swear is human who's really helping you so that's number one Numbers 2 through 9 are all in the same line of work and that is secondary and post-secondary education in terms of teachers. Now, it it's not listing elementary school or even high school and and I this is just my assumption. It's because I think of the importance of the socialization needed for younger kids. Didn't we all learn that through the lockdowns during COVID? We're seeing the negative impacts, especially among the younger kids who were not allowed to socialize and were kept away and were isolated. And there have been some negative fallout to that. So I think for you uh, teachers on the elementary side of things, your job is probably safe from A.I., but this list, for example, number two, English language and literature teachers, post-secondary. Number three is foreign language and lit teachers, post-secondary. Number four, this is my uh, now retired uh, dad, history teachers, post-secondary. Yeah, so he taught history, American history, modern European history, as a college professor. This is interesting here, five law teachers, like Robots, AI, technology could replace you, I, I guess. Then it gets to philosophy and religion teachers, all post-secondary. Number seven, sociology teachers. Eight, political science teachers. Number nine, criminal justice and law enforcement teachers. Again, all post-secondary so two through nine all have to do with beyond high school, college and beyond, master's, Ph.D. For those of you teaching, yeah, you're probably good for a while, but according to this study, I don't know who conducted it, it was just listed in Barron's, um, that's at risk through the years. And then number 10 is just sociologists. That's interesting to me. It doesn't really explain why they would be at risk any more than other professions, but, um, but there you go so folks tomorrow I had mentioned this before I am hosting um, the seventh long version of what I call Simon says podcast I'm so clever aren't I Simon says get it my last name is Simons yeah you get it um and it is Simon's with the s on the end so it's not the traditional Simon says it's my last name Simons says and it's with an AI expert and um, I've been really having a great time with this new endeavor of mine. It's kind of, I would say, midlife crisis. That makes it sound negative. And by the way, I'm a little older than midlife anymore. Well, maybe the the upper range of midlife. Let's put it that way. And uh, then I'm hosting one the following week. Oh, my gosh, my friends. This is on something that is a very serious development in this country. It really has for decades, but it seems to have really taken on, I think, uh, a... I don't know, a little bit more urgency, and that is the growing amount of anxiety, general anxiety disorder, panic attacks, OCD, um, people who are really struggling with that. It's a real issue. And I've got someone who is a PhD in that field, including PTSD. Very fascinating. And I'll be releasing that in a couple of weeks. I will reveal my own personal struggle publicly for the first time with that. I think, I think many of you will be like, no way, Dave, are you telling us what you're telling us of how much you struggled. Um, and I have kept this private my entire life. It's something that does not affect me now, but boy did it throughout my 20s, 30s, and into my 40s, at times very debilitating. And so I have a personal interest in this, and I can't wait to explore. And honestly, the reason I've decided to finally go public is you get to a certain age. You don't care about feeling embarrassed. And you sh- I shouldn't anyway. But when you're young, you do. You feel like, oh, there's a weakness attached to that. For having anxiety and having panic attacks and not being able to go the, to the theater or the supermarket or to go to college class because you're afraid you're going to have this major meltdown and make a fool of yourself and go crazy and foam at the mouth. Everything that I just said is very, very true for people who have true panic attack disorder. I've lived it. It's horrible. And you can think logically, but it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any difference. Somebody could say, Dave, you're not going to go crazy. You're not schizophrenic. You're not going to have Tourette's syndrome that doesn't register for someone in the midst of a major panic meltdown. And it was very debilitating. So I'm so thankful that I've been able to survive that, and now I do help others. So that is another podcast that I have coming up. If you would like to look at some of the other podcasts that I've already hosted, you, they're listed on the usual sites like YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Um, just search Simon's Says podcast. Now people are are finding in some cases right away. Others are like, well, that's not showing me anything. And so play with it. You can put David Simon's Simon Says podcast, but it, it will show up. You'll know you're there when you see this fun little cartoon caricature of me, this ball headed guy with a microphone and Simon's says written on it, you'll see it. And then you'll see the six episodes. Make sure that when you get on there, please subscribe because then you'll be alerted. Make sure your alert button is on and then you'll be alerted to all the other future ones. Let me add one more thing and then I'll go to a completely different topic here. These are pretty much all non-investment related. Haven't really done one on investing. A lot of different subject matters. Starting yesterday though, I'm now releasing shorter little vignettes that can be as small as three or, or short as three or four minutes up to no more than 14, 15 minutes. Those are all investment and financial related. So the long version podcasts, which will cover all kinds of topics like the aforementioned AI and panic attack disorder and all that, those are much longer. Those are longer than an hour. I've done one, like I said before, more than two hours. These roughly three to 15 minutes, I release those every week. The longer podcasts, yeah, one or two a month. So you'll also see those, but only on YouTube. And the reason I'm doing the shorter vignettes, not on Spotify and other podcasts, but only on YouTube, is because I do use charts. Because I'm getting into the financial side of things, and that's important. I do have to show some things. So the one that I released yesterday, get this, if you haven't heard about this before, if you have money left over in a 529 education account, if you're fortunate enough that that's a good problem to have for you, you've you've gone through school and it's like, wow, I didn't use all the money. What do I do with this? I guess I bust out of it and I pay the tax and penalty on the growth portion. Not anymore. A provision in Secure Act 2.0 that was passed last year is going to allow people to take unused funds in their 529 and roll that to a Roth IRA. This is awesome. Look, we criticize Congress, and it's so divisive there, and we have every right to criticize, honestly, but every once in a while they get it right. And this was one of them. In a bipartisan way, they got together as part of the Secure Act 2.0 a year ago. And it's, it's a 529 unused funds rolled to a Roth. Now, there are some important provisions to it you need to know about. Well, that's what I released yesterday. And these are called quick hits. Simon Says Quick Hits. But you'll see that. So when you go right now on YouTube and you search Simon Says Podcast, David Simons, whatever, you see my caricature, you'll see the other six long-form podcasts already there. I really hope you enjoy some of them. All of them. But then every Wednesday, there will be a financial or investment-related one. So the one released yesterday is on that 529 one. I'm going to do one coming up on um, Social Security and when to take it. Man, there's a lot of misinformation about that. There are different theories about it that are well-intentioned but ultimately misguided and can hurt you financially if you make the wrong decision because once you decide on something, that's irrevocable. You're kind of stuck with that decision. So I'll be releasing like something on that um, in a couple of weeks. So please take a look, subscribe. And when you do that, you will always be alerted to when one drops. And then uh, feel free to, you know, leave a comment or send me an email. Or if you would like um, a particular subject matter to be addressed, I'm all ears. I don't have all the ideas. So I'd love to hear from some of you as well. When we come back and I close out this edition of At Your Service, um, I do want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the financial markets and the stock market. Something that had been worrying me a little bit, I don't feel as worried. Now, this is very near term. We'll see. But just some developments in the stock market in the past week has made me feel a little bit better about things. I'll explain when we come back with more At Your Service after this. Trusted information,
2: live and local, from the award-winning KMOX Newsroom.
0: Welcome back, everybody. It is uh, 11 minutes until 10 o'clock here in St. Louis. Dave Simon's having a blast tonight filling in at your service. Of course, uh, returning tomorrow, good to hear it, the St. Louis Cardinals as they return for a homestand that starts with the Cincinnati Reds tomorrow night. And, of course, you can hear all of that on Camo X. All right, so The Magnificent Seven. How many of you have ever watched that classic Western movie? Um, it's a terrific movie. And I was reminded when I went back and looked at it here recently, the who's who of actors in that movie. Yul Brynner? Charles Bronson, Steve McQueen, James Coburn, Eli Wallach, Robert Vaughn. I mean, some of the great actors of all time in one movie. Well, that title, The Magnificent Seven, has been resurrected, but from a financial perspective in the stock market. That's, what, that's how this year's market is being described, The Magnificent Seven. Why? Because the S&P 500 index, up until a week ago, all right, a week ago at this moment, the S&P was up about 9% for the year. And that confused a lot of investors because they would look at their own portfolio of stocks and say, wait a minute, I actually have some good blue chip names. Why am I flat for the year? Why am I slightly down? That's because the S&P 500, which, eh, no surprise, has 500 names in it, the entire gain of about 9% up until a week ago was because of seven stocks. That's it. The other 493 names in the S&P basically have been left irrelevant to the S&P's advance this year. Incredible. It's, it is the most narrow leadership that I've ever seen in my career. And that includes the late 90s when it was being led by some selected tech names. Seven out of 500 have given the index all of its games. Those seven, by the way, Apple, Microsoft, Google, or Alphabet, Amazon, NVIDIA, Tesla, and Facebook, now known as Meta. You take those seven out, market's flat. I didn't like that. History tells you that when the market is being led by such a narrow leadership of, 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 of big tech names, that is not good for the long-term health of the market. Eventually, it does start to crack. So what you want to see is the spread of spreading of wealth. You want to see the rest of the market start to participate. Well, that happened a week ago Friday. Remember last Friday, if you follow this kind of stuff, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is the boring index, and up until a week ago was actually down for the year. Those aforementioned names, there's really not much in the way of Dow. The Dow is just old line industrials. Yeah, it's got a few exciting names in there, but for the most part, not so much. And that index was down, and that's the one that's most widely quoted, the Dow. Down for the year a week ago, even though the S&P was up 9%, only because of seven names. But last Friday, the Dow was up more than 700 points. Second best day of the year. Earlier this week, first few days, market kind of meandered, and then we get to today. Another good day for not just the NASDAQ and the S&P, but the Dow as well. Now, is this a long-term trend on which we can build? Have no idea. This could be a short-term phenomenon, and we'll go right back to the market doing nothing, and only these tech and AI-related names will do all the heavy lifting. I hope that's not the case for all of us. You know, I am a big believer in dividends because that's kind of what that's that's really the sweet spot of my particular book of business. It is wealthier retirees, for the most part, who uh, we generate some income. And so, yeah, you have portfolios that will have some of those high tech names that do really well. But for the most part, we want to generate some cash flow. These are folks that don't need to stretch. They don't need the home runs. And so you get some good old-fashioned, boring, plain vanilla, blue-chip companies that pay dividends. Well, guess what? Through yesterday, Wednesday, June 7th, you look at the 500 stocks in the S&P. 397 of them, basically about 80% of the S&P stocks, pay a dividend. That's great. So there are so many different names you can choose from. But if you added all of them up, the 397, and you looked at their return for the year, do you know that those 397 in aggregate through Wednesday were down 3.4% for the year? Now, thankfully, in our portfolios, we are not down that much. And I credit the people on my team who do the stock selecting. I don't really get involved in that, but we've got the CFAs and people like that who do. But think about that. They are fishing in an area of the market that hasn't been particularly robust this year. You have to have picked some of those Magnificent Seven, and they don't really pay a dividend. When you look at the companies that don't pay a dividend, and that's 106 of them. So 106 do not pay a dividend. Notice that it adds up to a little bit more than 500. That's because there have been changes made this year, so we're including all the stocks that have been listed in the S&P at some point this year. That's why it comes up to be 503. But 106 that have been in the S&P this year that don't pay a dividend, their return in aggregate, a gain of 9.7%. You should know that that gap between non-payers of a negative 3.4 and a gain of non-payers of 9.7 is the largest gap within the first half of a year ever. Now, ever is has to be clarified since 1970. So that's how far the research goes, but that's still a pretty good sample size. So that's something that, that uh, we're looking at now real quickly. um, The S and P 500, I saw the headline has now exited bear market territory. It is now officially in a bull market. Now, would you just stop with these headlines? It's all semantics. I understand why they're saying that because of today's gain in the market, The market is now up more than 20% from the bottom reached last October. So technically, yeah, we're in a bull market and stocks have gone up 20%. But would anyone say that we are definitely in a bull market? Yeah, I guess you can. Again, it's all semantics. But let's not pop the champagne just yet. I'd like to see what the Fed is going to do next week, some of the comments that they'll make. And we'll be writing that in our commentary, which we also list, by the way in some of the aforementioned website places. All right, folks, had a great time. I'm out of time. Hope to talk to you again very soon. Cardinals coming back up tomorrow night.
2: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.